The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. There are lions that we choose to face. And then there are lions that come out of nowhere. Next, John Eldridge and his son Sam explain what they mean by killing lions. It's crucial to a young man's journey, and almost all of those traditions are removed from our contemporary culture. I really feel like these questions are deep-seated in all of us, and if they're not answered when you're in your 20s or in your teens, you keep asking them for the rest of your life. have John Eldridge and his son Sam and look at this now think about this a minute killing lions a guide through the trials young men face John Eldridge and his son Sam uh, John's been here many times he is a tremendously gifted communicator writer and he's been able to bless so many fathers families sons daughters and now then his son has joined him to share their journey and now they're sharing it with us. I want you to welcome John Eldridge and Sam Eldridge to life today. Would you welcome them? Well, how's things in Colorado, John? Is it okay? It's still cold. <laughs> It's going to be cold till July. It's, yeah, it's cold in July. It's nice, though, when summer's down here, you know, we think that's pretty neat to hear about what's up there. Yeah, you don't wonder. just hear about it. We see a few of you show up. <laughs> as smart people. Yeah. Sam, we're glad to have you. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, now, you just finished college how long ago? Gosh, uh, three, graduating in 11, so okay. going on four now. Four years, yep. and uh, i got to ask you about the title the book and what led to this and why the two of you are sitting here together and why you were so willing to open up on your own journey together, seemingly not just to, you know, like tell your family story, but with real purpose in mind. So cut to the chase. Whoever wants to take off and tell me how this book was birthed and what your intent is. Yeah, start with the title. So... The, the title, right, Killing Lions. Mm -hmm. We couldn't call it Killing Dandelions because <laughs> it's a metaphor. Okay. It's a metaphor for the Maasai warriors in their tradition are not considered men until they've killed a lion. Then they can lead members of their tribe. They can marry. Also, the same story with David and Goliath. By the time David was facing the challenge of Goliath, he had spent years in the desert. He'd killed bears and lions. He had this rite of passage, knew he could handle his life. And uh, that's really what we're after for these young guys through this book, Killing Lions. We feel like if there would be some trial, some thing, a rite that young men could walk through, that we might carry a greater confidence. We might feel like we're able to handle the lives in front of us. So that's really where the title came from. And it's really, it's an allegory of battles, challenges that you face, not necessarily right. an animal. Facing your fears. Your fears. Overcoming adversity. And then you have a subtle confidence that you can handle what's coming at you next. It's crucial to a young man's journey. And almost all of those traditions are removed from our contemporary culture, right? We don't have, when you get your driver's license, 
right? You get a high school diploma, maybe a college education. I mean, it's not enough. And you have all these young men out there who are desperate to know that they are men, that they, they can handle uh, a marriage, a family, a career, a life with God. So this book is like practical guidance into that settled assurance that you are a young man and you have a role in the story. Now, did he come at you with some challenges and questions that led you to see that we really ought to go ahead and address some of these things? And didn't you, in fact, in the book, actually go through in conversation, both of you talking about those lines? And would we be right to say those challenges, obstacles as the lines? Right. Uh, even addictive potential right. and practices and sure. distractions and unhealthy attractions, all those things. Is that part of the line group that we're after? Is that the pride we're after here? Totally is. Actually, the book started when I graduated from college. I entered kind of whatever real life is and had my first job. About a year in, I really felt like I was treading water and not going anywhere. Actually, I felt like I was taking on water and slowly <laughs> sinking. And I looked around at the other young guys in my life and we all seem to be in the same boat. We all seem to be directionless. It was up to ourselves. It feels like a generation of father, fatherless men. We have uh, the generation of the divorced parents, four parents. And uh, we started having these weekly phone calls. I knew that there was a guy in my life, my dad, that I could call to talk with about all these questions, about career, about the girl I was dating, about friendships, about God, about my identity. So what followed were these really cool conversations where we got on the phone and we would walk through things once a week. A little ways into it, my dad asks, how many young guys in your world do you know have something like this? I didn't even have to hesitate. I knew none. Not a single guy came to mind. And we're talking Christian college. We're talking good young men. This, not, this isn't the inner city here, mm -hmm. right, where we know fatherless is an issue. We're talking millennial leaders, right, and fatherless. You know, in a, in a, a Christian base school, right? right. Yep. And yet they, they didn't have dads. No, and actually that Christian microculture, the bureaucracy of it, really beat me down. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, went to a Christian school, and I encountered there the stick that I think a lot of Christian organizations can use of shame. Whether it was academic or spiritual, if I wasn't going to church six times a week, I just felt that I was somehow a misfit. I was, didn't belong. I was out. I was disqualified. And uh, Actually, in these conversations, my dad asks, like, you know, I think there's a book here. Would you consider maybe doing a blog first or something like that? And I actually, I turned him down. Like, I suggest the book, right? Three months into these phone calls, I'm like, this is killer, if you'll pardon the pun, right? They, they, I'm like, Sam, this is, this is, the conversations we're having about work, money, how young millennial men look at career, dreams, all of that. And I'm like, Sam, this, like, let's write a book. This would help a lot of guys. And Sam says, no. Yeah, and partly that was out of, I was still living with the identity I'd been given at that Christian school. And part of it too was, as a young guy, I do want to find my own way. I do want to fight for my dreams. I don't want to ride on coattails. I'd seen young guys inherit like the family business and they never really worked to earn it. I didn't want that to be my story. So it was only a couple years later, after I'd worked through a lot of the pieces of identity and how I saw myself and able to stand on my own two feet that I came back and said, I'm it. There's nothing I'd rather do more with my life than to get to write and to get to write a project with you. And so, so this is years after these conversations and he said no to the book. 
which obviously wasn't quite in touch with the Heavenly Father like he needed to be. <laughs> but that's where you were trying to get him. But, yeah. but anyway, how many years later then did you say this, I'm in? Well, maybe, I mean, maybe a year. year so, so. He, he marries yeah. the girl. Yeah. He's on his honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. God shows up on his honeymoon and, and in a pretty cool story says, Sam, like, this is what I've called you to do. This is who you are. Like, don't, don't, don't fear this. And then, the, and then this became the lion. Yep. that needed to be slayed in Sam's life as a young writer, like to do a book with his dad, to put it out there. And he puts his story out there pretty honestly, pretty vulnerably. Yeah. And do you put him in some vulnerable places too? <laughs> well, I'm taking these questions of the heart to him. I'm putting mm -hmm. him in that place of, Dad, I've got these questions. I don't necessarily need you to tell me all of the answers. I need to walk with you alongside. And so there was a tricky position for our father to be in, I think. And mm -hmm. yet... It was an amazing summer. We got to rehab all of those same conversations again, to dive back into all those topics and then kind of assemble this book project and then share it with these friends that I have in mind when I'm writing it. I'm like, I knew, I knew these guys out in California could use this. I knew these guys out in Colorado could use this. I needed it. This book began as something that I needed yeah. and now is something that we're just so thrilled to be offering to all those young guys out there. Yeah, this, we, we, we're talking about guys. I, there's a little gal sitting over here, and, yeah. you know, and God likes gals, you know. We like them. God likes them. But, but I would think it, as a father, it would be a fine line for you to walk because it, while you're trying to give him advice as his father, you also want him to know that you to know that you can hear God for yourself. Exactly, Betty. That's so good. And I think as as Christian parents, especially, we. In fear, right, we get a we little nervous, right? Little right? And we, we want to secure the outcome right away, right? <laughs> and we don't want our kids to question the faith, and we want them to turn out to be fine, you know, citizens. And, and so we don't allow room for the process. We don't allow room for the questions. We rush to the answers. And part of what we're trying to do in Killing Lions is model how to have these conversations with, with young adult children, how to give the space for the questions and the honest push. I mean, he pushes back on things in the book and like, that's good and that's healthy, mm -hmm. right? So that they can come to their own solid place with Christ. Did he help you find better answers with his questions? No question, no question. So I know what yeah. you were learning yeah. while you were trying to share. In fact, you wanna hear a beautiful part of the story in this too is I was kind of done writing actually as a career. I, I, I was kind of done, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Sam comes along and says, I, I think this is a great idea. These conversations we're having offer this to young men. There's a whole generation of fatherless young men out there now. And that is a fact. Yeah. I mean, let's just, oh. just dwell there a minute. We've got a fatherless nation. That's right. And, and the thing I think you really need to understand is that there's no father who could ever equal the father. John and I are both sitting here talking. John, here's the father trying to talk to the son. Here, I'm a father who actually put life today on to invite people into the family room to get to know the father, and I didn't have a father. He didn't have a father, but we met the father. And the thing you need to understand is if you didn't have a father, there's a great father waiting to be father. Right. If you are a father, the greatest thing you can do is point your children effectively to see this father, to love this father, and relate to this father. Because if that happens, then their journey is, is literally redirected in a most positive and divine way. Yeah. And so that's what needs to happen. So no matter where you are, 
You can be a better father by knowing this father. If you had no father, you can have the best father right now. Right. And uh, you can learn, and that's what they're trying to do. You're actually trying to help them not know John the father, but God the father exactly. with these discussions. Right, James. I mean, your story and my story is fatherlessness. Exactly. And, and, yet, and yet look what God has done with our lives. Yeah. Like that's the hope. Like that's Christianity. If mm -hmm. Christianity is anything, sure. it's that you're a daughter, you have a father. Mm -hmm. You're a son, you have a father. And so, right, killing lions isn't, oh, wow. I mean, if you had John Eldridge as your dad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> God, God just breathes sigh of relief right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he, right. he feels, he feels, he's bright, you know. He's, right, he, exactly. <laughs> but this is an opportunity to experience fathering as it can come to you through God. I want to ask you this, since you've, you've primarily focused on uh, the guys, and since, as I said, girls are... You know, they're kind of a challenge. But one of the big challenges girls have are finding a guy that has a clue about the father yeah. who probably never had a father. Yeah. And what kind of husband is a guy going to be who's clueless about the father? And being a father, do you think there's anything in here that a girl would learn not just about guys' challenges and maybe understand them a little better? Because we already have given up on understanding you girls. It's impossible. <laughs> we give up. But do you think it could help them not only understand guys better, but you think that girls might actually see some things here that would clear some things up in their mind? What do you think? Absolutely. I feel like these questions are deep-seated in all of us. And if they're not answered when you're in your 20s or you're in your teens, you keep asking them for the rest of your life. Older, we've had guys in their 30s and 40s come up to us and say, oh, this, is, this has brought me fathering. This has answered so many questions. And to get that sneak peek into the son or daughter's world, to the, what we're asking, the world that we're encountering, it's huge. Mm -hmm. The whole book is the invitation to be the son who receives fathering, to be the father who know what must be spoken, and all pulling directly towards the true father of all. You know, I was, I, without a father, accepted Christ when I was a teenager, 14, 15 years old. I was called to preach right before I was 18, and it was like Charles Finney said, and we had a guest uh, this week also who referenced waves of liquid love. Charles Finney talked about the infilling of the Holy Spirit as waves of liquid love. Betty was there the night God called me to preach, and I just, you know, because I said, how can I do this? How do I live? God just said, where's your faith? I said, it's in you. And I was immersed in what I can only describe as waves of liquid love. And I don't like people pursuing experiences. I say just yield the vessel to God mm. and let him fill it up and experience it however he wants that to happen. But don't trust feelings, trust him. But nevertheless, something r remarkable happened in my life. And I can remember that. But here's the deal. In my mid-30s, I experienced what I would call the most incredible deliverance as a defeated preacher who had gone to the Bible to get sermons rather than going to the Bible to get word, the Word of God and to get life. And I lost intimacy with God. Yep. Therefore, I was defeated. Okay, I experienced a tremendous experience of freedom and fullness in the Spirit. But here's what I want you to get. I didn't suddenly at 15 or when I was called to preach at 18 or when I was delivered and had an incredible fullness in the spirit, that didn't end the journey. I still needed a father. Yep. I still needed someone to answer my questions. I'm 71 years old right now and I still need that intimacy with the father. Don't I you? still need his answers. So you don't graduate beyond father. Mm -hmm. Most people have never seen father in the father. But you can know the Father no matter where you are, but you don't get through knowing Him, mm. and you don't get through learning. Mm. Would you agree that it's important for mm. people to realize this as we get older? Mm. We still need to keep asking these questions and getting the answers. I think you just lifted a lot of shame off people to tell them, you're yeah. not broken because you still need the Father. 
No. Like you always need the Father. <laughs> That's like, right. right? I mean, <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth, right? Sure. Says, I actually don't do anything about him. without my Father. Yeah. And our friend Morgan helped us with this. In Ephesians 1, where it says, long before God planned the world, he planned on you, <laughs> right? To be your Father. He took pleasure in adopting you into his mm. family. Like, what he pointed out to us there was that God isn't the backup plan for guys like us who didn't have a good dad. It's like, well, if you didn't have a dad, there's always God, right? <laughs> like, he, like, like, no, no, before the creation of the world, the plan is that he would be our father. Absolutely. Right? And so, like, the hope of that, wherever you are, whatever the story is, you're a daughter, you have a father who loves you. You're a son, you have a father who loves you. Now, let's look at what it, is like on a daily basis to be open to being fathered, right? To receive fathering. Because there's some pushback there, right? Sure. Yeah. You appreciate what you've heard. Mm -hmm. You thank these guys for opening up killing lines. You can go online or you can go to the bookstores and get it. And I really encourage when you go to get a book, don't just get one for yourself. Think about somebody God wants to love through you that could really use what's in the book. And this, you know, this is not going to like say, here's a sermon for you. You know, this killing lines. It's, you know, that'll get their curiosity. What are you talking about? What well, challenges that come to all of us? And I just think you might like it because I'm about to read it, but I thought you might like it and we'll talk about it. In other words, look for a way to help somebody else with the things you're looking for. We will send you the book. We're sending you an incredible book. We're sending you a Bible that's in story form. It's fantastic. We want to bless you. We'll send you this book that literally talks about the human body and teaches about the body of Christ. Phenomenal book. But also, if you'd like to have us send you this book to say thank you, you say for what? What are you thanking us for? If you will help us give hope to those who think there is no hope. But the hope we offer is not just wishful thinking. It is an absolute fix to the challenge. We want to show you some children, some families, that all they need is a hand extended, giving them food and love so they have a future. Watch closely and prayerfully and respond as God directs. Please do. We with people here who really have some desperate, desperate needs. The thing to understand is they've lost everything. Before they actually ran from the conflict, they had cattle. Their children drank milk from those cattle. They had crops that they planted, that they harvested. But when they fled from the conflict, they left everything behind. Their houses were burned. They took nothing with them, literally having to fend for themselves. When I spoke with these people just a little while ago and asked them, have you lost any children through starvation or malnutrition? More than 60% of them responded and said yes. They had lost at least one child. You know, that to me, that's it's not right. You know, these are innocent kids. These are people who are caught in a situation where they haven't been able to grow crops. It's not that they're lazy. It's not that they don't try and fend for themselves. They just haven't been able to grow crops. And they, they right now are sitting in such a precarious position that they fear 
that the other children are going to starve to death. We have to help these people. We cannot just walk away from here and turn our back. It doesn't take a lot from each person to help a little boy like this to actually change his life. Because you know what he needs? He just needs a bowl of food. It's not complicated. It's so simple. He just needs a bowl of food. And you can provide that bowl of food. And if you'll do that, we will make sure that it gets to these people. So please, please respond and respond now. Boy, Peter, I wish that you could hear me. I know you watch life today there in Southern Africa. More than 30 years, you've been going, 25 years, we've been going with you. I hear your heart, just think about it, tobacco farmer, race car driver. He was a Formula One race car driver. He was a pretty wealthy guy. He met Jesus. His wife met Jesus. And uh, they went to uh, Mozambique where people were in trouble. And the plane that was supposed to come back and get him didn't come back for more than a week and he watched people die. He went to get a man a, a cup of water leaning up against a tree and the man died before he could get back with a cup of water. And when he came home, he said, I'm going to raise all the money I can. I'm going to go, I'm going to rent a semi and I'm going to load it up and I'm going to go help. And he never stopped. And then when we showed up there, Betty, I just went and met a man that loved people. And I said, show me what you're doing. And he said, I would love to show you. And then he said, I can't believe that you said you want to help us. And I asked him if he wanted us to stay. He said, no, I wish you'd go home and ask people to help us so we could stay. Would you just help us so we could stay and save the people that are dying all over our continent and tell them about Jesus? But we need to, we don't just tell them about love, we need to show it to them. And so we started asking you to give food and they would, would put it in tin cans and oil cans and plastic bags is all they had. And our viewers said, why don't you give them a bowl? And, and the missionary said, no, we got to put the money in food. And our viewers said, we'll give them a bowl too because we love them. We don't want them to burn their little hands. And you've been doing that now, faithfully. And Betty, right now, some of our viewers have said, we so love what you're doing for those precious people. And you've changed third world countries to give them a whole future. You took Mozambique from the poorest nation in the world to now one of the most advancing democracies. It was a miracle. When we were there, it was Marxist warships everywhere and fighting and people shooting AK-47s around us and holding me hostage. Here, here's the thing you got to understand. We went there because of the love of God to save people's lives who've watched countries change, and they're changing because of the love of God. But those people are desperate. 25,000 right now facing death in Sudan because not only of drought, but of fighting around them. And then 400,000 that we've got located in hard-hit areas. And the missionaries, like Peter said, would you help? Would you save these children like this and their families? Would you give them the bowl of soup in the very bowls your viewers have provided? But we need the food. Well, Betty, some of our viewers said, we'll give $400,000 right now to match anything you give. So whatever you give is doubled. So would you right now take advantage of this incredible expression of love? Listen to this. $30, 50 or 100 we can feed three, five, or 10 children for the next several months. 30 feeds three, 50 feeds five, 100 feeds 10, 1,000 will feed 100. But now, because of this matching gift, 30 will feed six, 50 will feed 10, and so on. It doubles everything. It's love impacting the love you express, doubling it. 
Would you respond right now to Peter's request in behalf of those precious people he loves, God loves, and he loves through us? Would you do it right now? Go to lifetoday.org. And many of you are making your gifts online. Would you do that? Take your bank card, use it like a check, or you can dial that number. Others are calling for prayer every time we offer the opportunity people call, pray for me. But would you call and say, I'm going to be an answer to somebody's prayer today? And use that bank card and make the largest gift you can, knowing it'll be doubled. We have some gifts to send you to bless you, to say thank you and help you grow in your spiritual life. Thank you so much for making that call. Don't put it off. Don't wait. If you get a busy, when you call, you be determined. I'm getting through because I'm going to be an answer to prayer. I'm going to save lives. I'm going to share the love of God. Thank you for doing it. Disease, malnutrition, starvation, all terrible human atrocities being faced every day by people living in remote and impoverished areas of Africa. And those at greatest risk are the children. This month, 400,000 children are depending on us for survival. And now in South Sudan, the suffering has intensified and our feeding efforts are desperately needed by an additional 25,000 children. As an answer to prayer, a group of life's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for mission feeding. This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 to help feed three children will be doubled to impact six children. $50 to help feed five children will be doubled to help save 10 children. $100 for 10 children will be doubled to help feed 20 children. And $300 for 30 children will be doubled to help feed and minister to 60 children. With your gift, we'll send you Heirs to the Kingdom, four powerful messages on audio CD or USB flash drive. You'll also receive the award-winning book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. With your double impact gift of $100 or more to help feed 20 children, please request The Story, a running narrative Bible to help you engage with God's Word more easily. Finally, please consider a double impact gift of $1,000 and request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel by the painter of light, Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. I'm so anxious to send you as an expression of thanks, fearfully and wonderfully made. I pray you will get into this book to realize as God made our bodies, so we are the body of Christ. 30 times, we are the body of Christ. Not like his body, we are his body. How should it function? With great diversity and supernatural unity. If you'd like to have killing lines, you don't have to be a guy to get it. Girls, it'll help you understand guys better. Like I said, we'll never quite understand you, but it'll help you understand guys. And it'll be a real blessing to you because it'll help you see the Father from a good Father who knows the Father. We'll be glad to send it to you to say thanks for your help. Would you like to say thanks first to God, but then to John and also Sam. John Elders. Appreciate you, Sam, good to meet you. They're going to be back. We're going to actually go into some of the things that they discuss while they're killing lines. Don't miss it. Go to stream.org, stream.org, every day, and pray.
Introducing Stream.org, a rich and lively source for breaking news, analysis, and entertainment. Stream.org is a new information stream where those concerned about our nation's course can now gather for news, wisdom, and inspiration. Working together, we will see the promise declared in Psalm 46.4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Be sure to visit stream.org, a news site to unite us. I felt like I'd been living in a cloud that I was kind of drifting my way through a decade. Tomorrow, best-selling author John Eldridge and his son Sam explore the journey into adulthood. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.